You are connected with support. How can I help you? You're picking up the phone pretending that you want to help people, but you really want to rob them. I want you to understand. Legally and federally, I know what type of a time that you are. scammers and man they say the dumbest stuff go ahead please hey then i'll call this number again okay. no this is uh robert bryan hi uh thanks so much for calling in sorry that we couldn't hear you on zoom um but welcome the, my name is cj and my ho- guest uh guest host my co-host is take so thank you for joining us can you hear us okay Yes, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so tell tell um, everyone a little bit about yourself. Uh, we told them that you are a police officer. Um, are you still active or are you retired? No, I'm retired. I'm retired. Um, I retired as a captain from the New York City Police Department. Awesome. And how long did you work for them? 20 years. Amazing. And you're from New York City? Lifelong New York City resident. Awesome. Well, I know Take wants to ask you some questions about um, New York City, and then I want to ask some questions about um, scams and things of that nature and investigations. Um, But Take here is also from New York. Yeah, man, it's a pleasure to talk with a with a NYPD uh, captain retired. Um, I grew up a little bit north of. New York City and New York City was my playground when I was a, a teenager. So I always joke around about how much different Times Square is now than when it was in the 90s, um, in the late 80s. And it was just cleaned up. Like, I mean, you guys did a, a crazy uh, job cleaning it up. And I always joke around because that's who I am. And I'm like, I need the dirt to come back. But it, it really is uh, a crazy transformation what happened down there. And, and I mean, was that some of your doing? And obviously, we know the stories of the mayor and, and you know the the mafia, in New York City, and all that. But like, how did you guys get it so clean down there? Um, it was really uh, aggressive policing, a philosophy, a, a philosophy that unfortunately went away. And I think it's by necessity going to have to come back. If you've ever heard of a broken windows theory of policing, where um, the theory of broken windows is that if you allow a building to just sit vacant and eventually small things happen, people start breaking windows, the, uh, the grounds around the building aren't kept up properly, and the atmosphere that's created by that, an atmosphere that nobody really cares what's going on there, it leads to first smaller crimes and then larger crimes. So the point being is that if you if you give the appearance that somebody cares about what's going on in a location, everything trickles down and, and you end up with a much safer environment. Now, unfortunately, um, that's kind of, I don't know the last time you've been around Times Square, but it's kind that's of... That's what I was going to say. Uh, it's been 15 years. I'm talking 10, 15 years, so it's got a little bit of a decline, again, you're saying, right? Yeah. Yeah, now, now again, once, uh, you know, everything... Everything kind of was put on hold once, uh, and actually it was a, bit, a little sad. I mean, besides all the other aspects of the pandemic, 
but uh, Times Square and uh, a lot of areas of Manhattan, uh, really, with the you know people just don't want to go there anymore, and uh, with the um, you know with crime statistics up quite a bit, um, I'm hoping at some point we're going to see a turnaround with that. Mm. Yeah, I was wondering I if um, crime was like the same or worse since the pandemic, because I know during the pandemic, New York City was like a ghost town, right? Yeah, but unfortunately, the statistics are way up right now with uh, uh, crime, and that has less to do with the pandemic and more to do with uh, uh, different laws and issues, bail reform laws. Uh, nobody's going to jail anymore. Oh, I see. Okay. So we need more consequences. Absolutely. <laughs> the, the joke always was when I was a teenager, and I mean, I would take the train in from, you know, Westchester or Poughkeepsie area, and, you know, we would always just be able to go into the corner store being 17 years old and buy alcohol or smoke pot on the street, and it was always like, oh, the police have so much going on, they're not going to mess with us. Uh, is that kind of the philosophy down there? Like, there's just so much going on. Um, you have to kind of pick and choose your battles. Well, you always had to. That's that's never changed. You always had to show some discretion and, uh, and as you say, pick your battles. But now it's even, I mean, th there have been some, I mean, all I can call them is absurd uh, um, legal philosophies recently from district attorney's offices. The, um, the Manhattan district attorney, the newly elected from this past year, Manhattan district attorney, went on record as saying that um, he was not going to pursue um, robbery with a gun charges unless the gun was actually used. And so, I mean, you think about that. What he's saying is that if somebody just pulls a gun on somebody and steals their money, um, he's only going to be concerned about it if the gun is actually fired and the victim actually gets hurt. Um, that's absurd. Mm. I'll process there just because there's yeah. so much... Uh, there's so many people that they need to uh, put through the system that they're going to let those types of people go. Yeah, it, I mean it's it's a whole culmination of um, you know besides bail reform, trying to um, trying to reduce the incarcerated population, which I'm all for. The less people you have in jail, the better. But um, do it the right way. Don't just say we're going to have less people in jail. Uh, no matter what the ramifications are, that if they, I mean, there are certain people that, face it, need to be in jail. Right. So true. Or yeah, my neighbors. <laughs> so, um, as you worked as a policeman, did you have um, a lot of people come in to report scams or fraud? Uh, yeah, yeah. Now, I mean, I'm and I'm going back to my time on patrol was uh, was mostly was pre uh, the computer age. So mm -hmm. I'm talking more about street scams. But but yeah, ab ab mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, OK. So you um, didn't see a whole lot of um, I guess we'd call them cyber scams or phone scams. I don't know. What they would call not it. when I was actually on patrol because it didn't exist really. We're talking about the later late eighties or early nineties. Ah, oh, gotcha. Okay. 
So, um, do you have any, like, so a lot of us, um, do you talk to scammers? Um, we get some information from them, like we usually get their IP address. Every once in a while we do get their real name, but a lot of these people are not in the United States. And that's the trouble that we have with reporting it. Um, do you have any, like, tips for, I guess you'd call it, um... People that investigate crimes on their own, like, um, how would you say, amateurs? Amateur investigators? Um, well, see, I, the um, investigating it on their own, I, I mean, personally, I would be careful with that. I understand, I'm all, believe me, I'm all for um, these scam baiters. Any, anytime mm -hmm. I see them make it difficult for somebody who's scamming, I love it. Um, uh -huh. I just wouldn't want to do it myself because I don't want to open up something that that because because technically I know I wouldn't be good enough. I wouldn't know how to set up like a virtual machine myself so that I wouldn't be able to get it traced back to me. And I, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to make it so that all of a sudden I have now made myself a target because I've made it difficult on, on some person or some enterprise. Right. But um, for people who know what they're doing with it, um, I'm all for it. <laughs> oh, that's Any, great. Anytime you can make it more difficult for the scammer. Oh, that's great, because I was worried we'd get arrested today. <laughs> that you'd put out a warrant for us. <laughs> now, the only, the only time I would say that would be another thing, too. I'd say, I would tell people, just be careful that what you're doing is not breaking the law in making right. it difficult for the other person. Right. And do you, can you think of any ways that like would jump out at you that we could potentially be breaking the law and might not know it? Well, I would think that, you know, if you're making it difficult for the person and now you try to turn the tables and you want, you want to say, you know, okay, you want uh, $400 from me, but you know what? I'll send you a thousand, but you send me a couple hundred dollars first. And for some reason, if you you end up doing these exchanges, I wouldn't want to get involved with that where you're taking right. anything and benefiting right. from it. Right. But just calling people, um, like I guess you would say prank calling, is that in any way illegal? You can make a crank calling can be. Um, I mean, if you really want to read New York State's penal law. Crank uh -huh. calling actually could fall under uh, aggravated harassment because aggravated harassment is when you're causing annoyance and alarm um, by some type of means like a telephone. Now, mm -hmm. I mean, has anybody, have I ever heard of anybody getting arrested because they called up and said your refrigerator is running, you better go <laughs> catch it, or something like that? I, I've never heard of it. You know, but, but yeah, I mean... Yeah. Bart would be there's a fine line sure. there but yeah. yeah i know what you're saying if i'm not yeah. mistaken i mean there's some crazy laws still on the state uh, on the books in, in new york like i mean i i don't think they ever took them out if i if i'm and you probably know more than i do but i mean i was reading in a magazine one time and it was like the the stupid rules and laws in the in the 50 states that are still on the books and i mean women aren't supposed to drive after uh 12 o'clock on sundays or something like that <laughs> or if you see if you see a policeman on the side of the road pulling someone over you're supposed to beep um try beeping at a cop now on the side of the road i wouldn't do that yeah, um yeah. But, 
<laughs> but I mean, some of those things are still in there, and I'm sure, um, you know, I don't know if anyone would ever mess with people for calling up Walmart and saying, hey, I, I was just in your store and I was uh, harassed because I was hula hooping and I was drunk, and, you know, it, it, that's wasting time. I worked retail for so many years. I mean, it used to get crazy people that would call, and how do you even know it was a prank? They could have been just crazy. Yeah. Um, but. Hooking up to people's machines, I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't do that until I 100% knew what I was doing um, because I wouldn't want to to bring more problems my way. So when we do call these idiots, we're always very careful with burner phones or text now numbers and things like that. I'll tell you, the thing that I find interesting from a perspective of going back um, before we were actually in the cyber world is when I look at it, I see these scams are basically all the same. It's just you, they had to be done in person or in the phone, and now it's just opened it up for the scammer to become so much easier that they're they're able to uh, you know they're, they're able to um, you, you know do it online. I had the first the first scam that I really had contact with as a cop. It's still out there today in a different version. It's a job scam. I was working patrol, and mm -hmm. one morning on my foot post, I had started getting one, two, and before you know it, I had 15 or 20 people that came up to me. All of them had the same typed letter, and all of them had a construction hard hat, and the story was that they had been the day before. They had gotten hired for some construction job where they were giving union membership, and they gave them this official-looking union card. They gave them the hard hat, and they told them to report to this address to start working on a construction project as a laborer the next morning. And, of, and they charged them $100 for it to get into the union. And, mm. um, of course, the address didn't wow. exist. And, and this was all morning that day. I, I had to have had 20 or 30 people come up with that with that same letter carrying that same hard hat and fake union oh, card. That's so, I mean, so this is sad. Really, I, mean, I mean, the same type of stuff is going on there, just just using, you know, using an online method for it. Yeah. Yep. And then yeah, we're dealing so with, uh, I mean, and that might have been even hard to track down, even if that was coming from even New York. Um, because scammers are everywhere. When we deal with the scammers, we're, we're really dealing with different countries a lot of the time. And what makes it so frustrating is that there's, you know, call centers where people just go to work and can clock in and there's a cooler in the break room. And meanwhile, there's 50 computers there and their, their job is to call people in America and say that they're from the Social Security Administration and they're going to shut your number down and stop your benefits unless you take all of your money out and put it on a gift card and secure it and then read them the numbers and it's tolerated. That's what's so frustrating. Uh, and it, it's hard because it's international as well, so even if they do know where they are and who they are, if there's no crime or victim, it's very hard to do anything. So yeah, it's just very frustrating that um, it yeah. seems like it's a little bit more corrupt there, and I know we have that going on here, but we would never, I think, have a ton of call centers in a city where there could be 50 people in each one saying they work at Amazon or Social Security or Apple or Microsoft and, and, and try to get people's money. Uh, it's that just tolerated there, I think, is, is right what, where I'm at. Because I think we all just have learned to accept that 
scamming is a part of life that you know the internet has become the wild west because we think about it if if we were walking down the street and every day you know somebody came up and either tried to grab our wallet or put a gun to us um we wouldn't just go on and say ah you know what he didn't get my money so i'm all right but that's really what this is i mean i can't tell you how many times i mean i'm getting the uh you know, the, 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 the spoofed, you know, Amazon calls or the, uh, you know, you, you look at the even the uh, the email address and they might have the, the Cyrillic letter in there that makes it look like an A. And, you know, and, and if you, you know, and, and if they send out, you know, thousands of these things, I guess if they get just one or two hits, they've, uh, you know, they've made their money for the day. But, and, and right. even the, the, like you say, it's international, the, the police, I know the NYPD, at least in the last couple of years, they are taking some steps because the cops now actually have an app where if um, somebody does report some type of a, of a, of a uh, cyber fraud, they at least are prompted to ask certain questions rather than just tell them report it to the FBI or something like that. So, so they, they are getting more of the, of the street cop involved with at least the initial investigation. Okay. That's good news. That's a great point you make, though. Like, we feel, I think, I guess there's a lot of hopelessness that goes on between with a lot of these scams because one of them is they are foreign sometimes. Uh, Sometimes they're not, but, you know, especially when they're foreign, it's harder to, you can't really go to India or Nigeria and accuse somebody of a crime and have them arrested there. So, but that's a really good point about how if this was going on in our faces, we would not be ignoring it. But it's being ignored ignored a lot these days. And uh, I mean, there's there's over a billion dollars uh, going into their hands um, from these scams just into India. And, and India is not the only country that's obviously full of scammers. Um, you know, we have them in every country and scamming is going to exist forever. But when I see a billion dollars going into, you know, just the, the New Delhi area or the Calcutta section of, of India, it breaks my heart. And I feel like there has to be something that can be done. And I mean, I think when I was doing a little research on you, you're a professor and you kind of focus, uh, or, or give lectures on Homeland security, right? Yes. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, will this ever like become like a thing to where the homeland security can get involved or something political or something? I mean, we're just trying to figure out a way to end it. See, as long as it's like right now, you you mentioned the international aspect of it. That's what makes it so difficult because, and again, my understanding right now, with my knowledge of this, is that if you peel back the onion. The over, I mean, you mentioned some countries, but the overwhelming majority of these are going to trace their way back to some type of Russian organized crime, or at least Eastern European. And mm. where, wherever, oh, you have, wherever you have countries that you're not going to get any cooperation in prosecuting, mm-hmm. even if you were able to trace it back to a particular location, a particular group, if you're not going to get any kind of cooperation from that country, then it, it, it's it's pointless because they can just go as long as that host country is not going to crack down on it, then um, there's not a heck of a lot that can be done. 
And right. um, and again, that's um, with my reading. That's that's where no matter what, how it looks, <laughs> most of these trace their way some back to somewhere back to Russia and Eastern Europe. Okay. Interesting. I guess all we can do then is just try to stay ahead of all these scams and educate people so they don't fall for them. Absolutely. One thing that I always um, tell, and I'm usually, when I'm teaching, I, I teach mostly physical security, but you cannot, you cannot really disconnect the two completely because, you know, the whole idea is any type of cybersecurity, there's always going to be a physical security component to it. But um, one thing that I always preach is that with when we're talking about, you know, your own personal security is that um, just don't if if you have not initiated whatever the engagement is, uh, you know, between you and whatever the entity is that's on the phone or online, if you didn't initiate it, be mm -hmm. suspect of it. Right. Yeah, and um, the only the only thing we keep seeing, and I totally agree, and I think that's a great message. And the one thing that we're seeing too is some of these scammers are paying for like Google ads. So when somebody searches like Facebook support, then the scammer Google ad comes up, and they think that they're reaching out to the real Facebook. You know? Yeah. So it's just a. It's really a. Um, it's really a mess. <laughs> no, no. Some of these are a lot more sophisticated than just than just some misspelled ad with a with a wild looking uh, mm -hmm. you know uh, email address or something. They're a lot more a lot more sophisticated, and um, they. Uh, I I got my identity stolen of a, a a couple of years ago, and it was. I thought I was being like a uh, let's say a, a, a half-ass scam baiter because. I got a phone call from somebody who said they were the uh, the teller at a bank, um, the the bank that I had my accounts with, but they said they were um, in a branch in a town in New Jersey, and I said, okay, what can I do for you? And the teller was asking me for my social security number to verify my identity, and I said, you know, I was born at night, but not last night. And, um, <laughs> they, they, they told me though. They told me that somebody was in the branch, trying to cash a check, and they had a driver's license with my name on it. And I said, "Well, did you call the police?" They said, "The police are right here." And I said, "Put the put the police officer on." And then this other voice came on and started talking. And I said, "You know, this is this is pretty good." I said, "You're you're you're, you're pretty good here. I got to give you credit for this." And the guy is just saying, "Look, uh, we're here. There's somebody here. We have." with a, a license your name so i said i said you know what i said i'll call back and what i did was what the 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 police department that this gentleman said he represented i just quickly looked up and got a phone number and called and sure enough it turned out it was legitimate and somebody was in in a branch uh trying to cash a check on a driver's license that had my name on it and oh my God. But to this day, even though I'm thankful, I, I think what kind of trainings that teller get where he, he just calls on the phone and asks me for my social security number, you know? Um, yeah. But it was a legitimate attempt to steal my identity. Well, they had stolen my identity and was to, to, to access my account. Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
So what about uh, um, like, someone? Like, sorry, go ahead, take. No, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I think Diesel Mike, if you were going to ask his yeah. question, uh, that's why I love having the chat because that's a perfectly great question and I would have forgotten. But I'd love to get a police officer's uh, take on that. So go ahead, please. Uh, yeah, they're asking about like the support the police scams or organizations. Um, you know, those are kind of common too. Um, yeah, and that's you have to be very careful with those because unfortunately, I think for every one legitimate, there's probably 50 scams going on out there, and that's why I mean my advice to anybody is if anybody's getting uh, getting uh, solicited for um, to to support any type of law enforcement or police um, uh, function or organization, uh, they should they should actually really check it out first before they make any type of contributions because like i said unfortunately i mean you know as well as i do scammers will try for the low-hanging fruit and mm -hmm. um you know people will think oh hey you know police widows and orphans 9-11 funds um mm -hmm. different things that are going to pull at a person's heartstrings let's say and they'll um they'll they'll you know you have to really check and make sure that those are legit right do you have any that you recommend, like if somebody would like to donate to the police, do you have any organizations that you know of? Or or do people just call the police department and donate that way? You can call the police department. There's the one that I know of that's kind of an all-purpose one that's completely legit because not only does it deal with um, police, but it also deals with military. It's Tunnels to Towers, and Tunnels they've been towers. extremely helpful over the years in um, in helping out uh, police widows, um, military widows, disabled veterans who had become, uh, maybe they lost a leg or an arm uh, in, in combat, and they've been able to either get them homes or pay their mortgages or to renovate their homes to be more conducive to whatever their disability was. But Tunnels to Towers is a is a very, very fine organization. Okay. Well, that's great to know if anyone has any um, desire to donate to the police. I just posted the link to that that he's talking about, and we have good authority that it's legitimate. So um, check that one out. If and you're teaching? Are you are you a professor right now? Is that what you're doing in in your retirement? You're you're still uh, giving lectures and things like that. Yes. Okay. And awesome. at, like at, at a local uh, New York City type of college. It's actually a state college, uh, and again, I'm, I'm I teach courses in physical security. Okay. Gotcha. Awesome. Awesome. And then you have a bunch of books out. I mean, I, we didn't even get into that. We've been talking for almost uh, 40 minutes, I think. And I mean, you're you're a pretty, uh, I mean, you're a big time author. You have a bunch of books out there. Um, and I saw, I think your your most successful book or your your funniest book is uh, what's it called, Dark Nights or something like that. Yeah, I have a series, and I thank you for saying a big-time author, although I, <laughs> I wouldn't actually say that. But um, it's... Um, I, mean, I mean, you have books out there. That's pretty accomplished. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a series that, that talks about it's sort of a memoir-type series, but it it's not so much cops and robbers. It's more of the um, looking at it through the prism of the of like the dark humor that's associated with 
with police work. Uh, a lot of the stories that are funny, and some of them in a in a very dark way. But because uh, I always thought, and I still believe, that cops have some of the best sense of senses of humor, and a lot of that's <laughs> by necessity because there's so right. much uh, of the dark side that you see when you're working that you can't internalize all of that, and there needs to be an outlet. And sometimes humor is that is that most uh, appropriate outlet. Yeah, for sure. That's a great that's a point. point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you guys see people at their worst, and it's – I always said, you know, police and, and teachers should be paid a lot more than some of the athletes, if not all the athletes. Because, I mean, you guys risk your life every single day. Uh, yeah, there's some bad apples in any uh, organization, of course. But for the most part, any time I've, I've dealt with a police person, it's been very uh, – I feel safe. I, I see them in my city. I, I feel like I can walk down the street, and, and some countries don't even have the luxury of having what we have here. Um, and I feel like the police department gets taken for granted so much. Um, and I really just think you guys deserve all the money in the world. Um, and I, you really see people at their worst. So I, I definitely need to read your uh, your your humorous take on things. No, I, I, I naturally I agree with you. I mean, it, it, that's the whole essence of police work that you, you see people at their worst. That 24 hours later, when they're not under the influence of fear, rage, drugs, alcohol, they, they be completely different people. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I had my runs in when I was 16, 17. Now that I look back, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so sorry for the cop who had to arrest me. <laughs> but, you know, it's and I'm obviously small time than what you're dealing with in, in New York, uh, you know, on the city streets. But how how real is is there one show out there that portrays uh, the reality of of police? Not the reality shows, but I mean like the Law and Orders and the uh, the other show with uh, Donnie Wahlberg, whatever. I forgot his uh, the the show that it is. But like, there's so many shows out there with with police, and I'm wondering, it, what do the police actually feel about these shows? Are they like, oh, they got it right, or no, NYPD Blue is not accurate at all, that type of thing? To be honest with you, I don't really watch any of them. Um, the the thing that always and so I, I really couldn't comment so much on them. One thing I will say that always bothers me, and it probably shouldn't, but if it's there's a movie or anything, I always and that, that's something I actually tried to get right in my books because it always bothered me when you know I'd watch something and they'd have obviously a phony badge that wasn't the type of badge or was the wrong patch or was the wrong uniform. Um, I, I would like lose the story then when I when when, when I would see that, but I, I really don't I don't watch a lot of these shows at all on uh, on TV, so I I really wouldn't be be able to comment on on the the authenticity of it. Oh, okay. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I know most of the guys that are in it are like real hot with ripped abs. <laughs> I'm sure that's not always true. Yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. And like every single New York police officer can't look like take a gal. <laughs> so um, even back like before the internet, um, was there any romance scams? What type? Of, I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Uh, romance. The romance scams? Uh -huh. Yeah, like... Um, um, mm -hmm. 
that would like um not okay that one's the redefined to me romance scam um so like how it's defined today is one person pretends to be somebody they're not um they pretend to have feelings for somebody and then they use that person to try to get uh you know money from them i guess that's how we define it today (laughs) yeah i mean that you know that's a version of where you know somebody and i shouldn't be sexist with this but it would normally be saying the female looking for a sugar daddy um that Mm. uh i mean of course that happened but i'm not sure if it was happening in kind of the organized way that someone might be putting it out there now on 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 the internet The, the, the the scams back in the day and still that are going on on the street are more of these intimidation type things like uh at times square has been always scam central um mm-hmm. with the uh with the, the 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 um superhero and disney characters out there you know you you want to pose for a picture with me and then when you pose for the picture they're demanding ten dollars and they're going to try to intimidate you if you don't want to pay or somebody comes mm-hmm. up and says they just have they just cut this cd and they're giving it away and they ask for your name, and then they sign it. And as soon as they sign it to you, they want money because now they're going to intimidate you to say that, well, I signed it to you. I can't give this to anyone else anymore. And, and the whole idea is that they, they, they try a lot of these ones on the street. They're trying to intimidate in order to just kind of strong-arm you into paying something to get away. But, uh, and, and I don't like, I mean, there used to be the three-card Monty. I don't see too much of that anymore out there. But one that I think is pretty... Um, pretty common out there now is you know it's the broken glasses guy or it could be anything but a guy that bumps into you and then says you broke his glasses or it could be anything else and Uh, now again it it gets into the intimidation trying to get you to say you got to pay for this give me a few bucks for it and you know and and he's he's scaring you with it and uh you know so i mean those, those are the type of things that are that are still out there well, they they do that with the internet ones. They definitely try to intimidate. Oh, I've had that too. I've I've had I've had you know the emails that come to me and say that if I don't pay them, they're gonna, you know, they're gonna publish embarrassing photos of me. And I, at this stage of my life, if somebody's got embarrassing photos, <laughs> of me, go go ahead, go ahead, publish them. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, interesting. So, um, there's not really um, any like kind of. Is there any kind of online tools that co- that police use to investigate crimes that citizens can use? That online schools. I mean, there's all kind of different courses you can take, but um, the yeah. I mean, even like you know the school that I teach at. Uh, it's it's part of New York State University. You know, there are. Um, you know, actually, like the courses that I teach are part of a cybersecurity program, but I just happen to do the, the physical security aspect of it. But there's, um, they touch on those topics, you know, for the, for the students that are, getting, that are getting that degree. But if somebody, you know, somebody just wanted to take a course on this, I, I'll be honest with you, there's not one I could say I, I know and recommend, but I'm sure there's all kind of you know, uh, correspondence and online training you can take. Yeah. It, what about like um, private investigator type of sort of like 
certifications, do you think those um, are good for, like, learning to investigate crimes or no? Yeah, private investigators uh, license, you got to be careful with, though, because in New York State, you you know, there's specific guidelines where you can get licensed as a PI, a private investigator. But there's all kinds of these different training courses for PI that you'll see online, but they don't do anything to actually get you licensed. You have to fit a certain criteria. You have to have, you either have to have had 20 years as a police officer or you have like three years, I think it is, of some type of investigative training that you've worked for a, a, a PI for, I think it's three years. And then you have to take a test. They give a, an ongoing test with New York State and then you post a bond and they license you if you would pass the test as a private investigator. But you could take, I mean, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with taking courses to in, increase your knowledge, but right. any type of course you take is not doing anything to enhance your qualifications to become a private investigator. It would hopefully increase your knowledge of the subject matter, but you need to have that experience factor in order to qualify and then to take that test. Right. Okay. Well, that definitely makes sense. Um, so any other like tips or anything that you have for us? I know we talked about, I think the thing about not to go back way back to the beginning, but I think that thing about, you know, you said the aggravated harassment, I think we're not worried about that because we'd have to have a criminal come forward and like say that we're being a criminal. And we're not really worried about them coming forward to report themselves in order just to, for probably what would be a petty crime of harassment, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, well, but one thing, okay. saying, one thing that I do know that um, I, I think sometimes, like we mentioned earlier, that the frustration comes from not being able really to do anything about these right. scams. And one Absolutely. of the things that I know of is... Um, I'm not certain how effective it is, but I've heard it is that if you've ever heard of the IC3, it's the Internet uh, Crime Complaint Center. Mm -hmm. Anytime you have some type of scam, you can just go report it online to right. the IC3. And they do aggregate this, like because normally the FBI, they're not going to get involved with this stuff unless it, unless it reaches scams in the millions. But if, if they get similar cases they can aggregate them to the point where they say this looks like the same scam the same enterprise and then if it reaches a certain threshold maybe the fbi will become interested in it but at least it, it, it to me it would give somebody uh, uh an avenue of doing something something happens and my local authorities don't appear that they're going to be able to do anything at least i can report it somewhere right that's a great point and i have been trying to do that more um um, I think that's a great point. It doesn't hurt anything to report it on there. And then, like you said, if they get enough cases against one entity, then they can hopefully take some action. Correct. Yeah, I hear a lot of a lot of people that do what we do, um, and they say, "Oh, well, I reported it. I'm working with the FBI." But I mean, how true is that? I mean, if it's a uh, the FBI will not get involved, is my understanding, unless it's like. Like you said, it has to be an astronomical amount of dollars, and I'm not talking yeah. even a hundred thousand dollars. It has to be more than that usually. So I think it is what we're saying here. The best place to start, if if somebody calls you and you realize you uh, 
made a mistake and you gave Amazon, you know, a $500 gift card or a $2,000 gift card or whatever, it's best to report it online on that website or maybe talk to your local authorities first. I would do both. Just to report and it. Again, that whole thing with the IC3 is you, you, maybe you're not going to ever hear about it again, but maybe, you know, you got you got hit for $1,000, but maybe a thousand other people got hit for the same scam and also reported it, or maybe 10,000 people did. And it, right. it, it, right. there's always a chance it, the volume of it then gets the attention of the FBI. Right. Yep. That's a good point. And then what about the FTC website? Do you find that would be helpful as well? Um, I'm sure it would be. I'm not that familiar with it. I've never really used that, but I'm sure that certainly would be that that would be uh, mm -hmm. uh, an, a, a source. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Um, yeah. So if we find any potential victims, um, I've been you know we've been telling them you know of course report to their local police, uh, dispute charges with their bank, and then we could add report to the IP three. Is there anything else, any other recommendations you have for victims that we talk to, like victims that actually lose money? Um, the only thing I would say with that is, and again, my understanding is that if you're, if you are, if you're the consumer in this, at least if you stay with it normally, again, I've never had a personal experience with this, but I've known people and I've read uh, uh, material on this. Um, usually, if you're a consumer, you're dealing with a credit card, you're dealing with a bank, you're usually, if you stay with it, you're going to get reimbursed if you stay with it. Um, and that's, that's advice there. If it didn't look like originally you were going to, I would say to keep at it because um, my understanding is that the consumer will usually get reimbursed. Not so much for the small business, if it's the small business that ends up getting scammed. But usually the individual consumer does stand a good chance of getting reimbursed if they stay with it. Okay, that's great to know. Um, you can't just, it is definitely work. You can't just try once and then give up. Um, so I definitely agree that that's a great, uh, you know, great point. So obviously you've had your share of, I'm sure, cases and you're, you're interrogating people. And you don't want to reveal all your secrets, obviously. I mean, some of them can be looked up online, obviously. But can you give one tip to everybody? How do I tell if somebody's lying to me? Is it really true <laughs> if they look to the left or if they raise their eyebrows or if they ask a question, if they answer a question with a question? Like, is there just one tip that can make it a little easier to know if I'm getting scammed in real life by somebody? Like, like where was she last night? You know, like, like how would I know if they're lying to me? There's, um, nothing's 100% foolproof, but a couple of things that uh, are kind of tried and tested is if you, if somebody is lying, if somebody's scamming, they, it's a lot tougher to keep track of what they've said. So the idea is, is when you talk to somebody, if you're strategically asking the same question at various times and making sure that you're getting the exact same response because if it's the truth the person will come back with the same response and if mm -hmm. it's if it's not if it's some story they came up with it's a lot 
easier to get the facts a little bit mixed up, to get them a little bit wrong. So, so just having some type of method where you're asking the same question over over a period and not making it just look like you know you're not asking a question and immediately asking it again, maybe mm-hmm. waiting a little bit and asking it in a different form and seeing what what answers you come up with because obviously the gotcha. scammer or the liar is going to have different information. Yeah, that's yeah. A, I think that's a great yeah a great thing we can do to scammers if they make a comment early in the conversation. Um, you can ask them again later in the conversation. You know. Just to uh, show everyone, if in case anyone needs further proof, <laughs> that yeah, there yeah, definitely, definitely can work for the scamming situation. Yeah. But I just need to know if these people are really where they say they are. I mean, if she says she's at, out with her friends for dinner, I really want to know that. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> I think it should be less nosy, and then that would help. <laughs> right. Well, sometimes you 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 can't give credit sometimes for people having come up with so much of a backstory one of the one of the things i did after i retired was i did insurance investigations for a while and one of the typical uh types of fraud i used to get was insurance auto insurance fraud where because of a lower rate people would um insure their car let's say in pennsylvania whether it was a fictitious address or a friend or relative's address when they were living and their whole life was in new york and one of the easiest ways to just um, to break one of these cases was when the person would say that, oh, yeah, I'm, uh, I work as a school teacher in New York City, but I live 150 miles away in, in Pennsylvania, and I drive every day. And just say, I, I can't tell you how many times it was as simple as saying, tell me the route you take when you drive to work. And they, they hadn't thought of that. And uh, you know, nice. so yeah. I mean, right, right there, case closed. Right, that's a great yep. point. Yep. That's the end of that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and while, while we have a, somebody on the phone who's been with the NYPD for so long, I have to ask because uh, it's been fascinating as a New Yorker. You know, we've seen the decline of the mafia, and at least in the news it says there's no more mafia. I mean, in the five families that, you know, are famous that we all hear about. I mean... Is that true? Is the mafia still existent in, in New York City? I'm sure that there is always going to be some segment of that type of organized crime. I, I do believe, though, that they really, the um, especially the federal government, really um, put a, a hurting on to that, that type of enterprise. Um, whether they've gone completely underground, I mean, you're always going to have, you're always going to have some type of organized crime, but I don't think... I don't think it is in any way at the same level as it was in the John Gotti days. Mm-hmm. Right. But there's kind of like my error, and it sounds like it was your error, in the, you know, in the early 90s, late 80s. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Now, can you give us a good, uh, like, one little story from your book or a little excerpt of, uh, you know, the humorous side of things? Like, just like a funny story, maybe? Um, a funny story. Um, <laughs> That's coming from yeah, someone that gets mad when you ask him for a funny story. No, no one wants to be put on the spot, so I apologize. But I mean, your book, it does say the humorous, dark humor of uh, the NYPD, right? So I'm fascinated right. by this book. I can't wait to get it. 
Okay, so when I um, when I had, uh, reached the rank of lieutenant, I was drafted into internal affairs for two years. If you wanted to go anywhere else, like the detective bureau or narcotics, you had to do two years in IAB. And uh, again, nobody really, I don't know if anybody who wanted to go to internal affairs, but hey, it was there for a purpose, and it was a two-year tremendous learning experience. But one of the first cases that I had was a, um, a complainant who had called up, the guy was an accountant, he said, well, he, he had called up the made the complaint through the IEB action desk, but when I had spoken to him on the phone, he was an accountant, he sounded perfectly lucid, perfectly coherent, and his complaint was that a sergeant from the local precinct had, had broken into his apartment and had mm -hmm. burglarized his home, his house. And um, again, it's a, it sounded, you know, this guy sounded really legitimate, so made the appointment to go with a sergeant over and interview him in person, he lived in an apartment building. It was a very nice apartment building with a doorman, and he was on one of the upper floors. Let's say it was like the 15th floor. And in talking to him, again, he appeared. His appearance was such that, you know, made him look very normal, very legitimate, and his, his tone of voice was very normal. And he's talking about how when this sergeant um, came into his apartment, and he said, then he starts mentioning that he actually came in the night before, too. So now I'm just getting curious because we're on like the 15th floor and there's only the door to enter the apartment and there's a balcony. And I'm saying, he he come in through the front door? And he goes, no. I say, he come in through the balcony? And he said, no. And I said, all right. I said, I, I, I give up. I said, how did he get in? And he goes, oh, oh he comes in my dreams. And uh, okay. I, I said, oh, okay, he comes in your dreams, right? He said, oh, yeah, and he's talking like this is completely normal. Said. Yes, yes, he comes in my dreams. And, um, and I'm ready to just stop the call for the interview right there. And my partner who was with me was decided to have some more fun with this. He says, wait a minute, wait a minute. So he starts asking all these questions with, um, how is he dressed when he comes in his dreams? How, how are you dressed? You know, does he touch you and then all in your dreams and all this and stuff? Uh, it went on and on, but uh, that was uh, that was an easy case to close, let's say. <laughs> yeah, I'd say so. <laughs> I hate when people touch me in my dreams. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, definitely everyone go check out um, Robert's books. We put a link to his Amazon below in the description good morning virginia um it's been super great having you on um is there anything else you want to just tell everyone before we let no, you go no it's been a pleasure i thank you very much for having me yeah thank you so much we really appreciate your time we learned a lot from you and um thank you so so much for coming by My yeah thanks man thanks so much for doing this yeah we really appreciate okay. it all right thanks so much yeah have a great day thank you you too all right. All right, bye.